Welcome to the Back 40 Leadership Podcast. This is Michael Bond. Today we're bringing you a special message from Gilbert Ackerman and Christina Butterworth. This message was a breakout session at the Back 40 Leadership Conference. Gil serves as the youth pastor at Summit Church, and Christina is the kids pastor at Summit. Both of them have records of successful ministry in these departments, and they have great strategies to share. Of all pastoral ministry, youth and kids are the areas which I myself am least knowledgeable. So I learned a lot by listening to this session, and I think you will too. So without further delay, I bring you Gilbert Ackerman and Christina Butterworth. Okay, well, hey guys, thanks for coming to our to the to this breakout session. Um, so a little bit of just background context for me and Christina. I'll introduce myself. Um, but I'm Gilbert. I'm a youth pastor here. New youth pastor. I used to do. Um, Kids pastoring, I uh, did that like outside of the city of Pittsburgh, up in Allison Park area. I did that for about five years, or Russellton specifically. Uh, and then I did youth pastoring for the past four years or so, and now I'm here because I got married. Uh, my wife Stephanie mm-hmm. is somewhere doing something, maybe. I'm not sure exactly where <laughs> she's at. Um, but I, I specifically have a big passion for just kids and youth ministry, like the next generation as a whole. Um, especially having some of my background being in kids and then youth, like seeing how those two tie together is important. Um, so I'm excited, very passionate about working with the next generation. Would love to do it until I am 70 years old and they say, all right, Gilbert, you need to actually get out of here. Amen. Um, but hopefully I can stay around until I'm 80 or 90. We'll that's see if I'm plan. still working. Um, but that's, that's my passion. Some people view, I think next gen ministry as a stepping stone for other things. Um, but depending on, and depending on what you want to do or feel called to do, there is some validity in kind of recognizing, okay, this is where I get my teeth cut and get some experience before God launches me into to what I want to do next. But I can confidently say, I want to work with these students till the day I die. This is not a stepping stone. Um, this is a passion. So I don't know if you get, any of you feel that way, but that's, yeah. that's how I feel about students. I will echo that with kids. That's, um, it's what I feel called to. And if it changes, it changes someday sure. down the road, but that's not my anticipation. You know, it's not my, what I'm looking for. Uh, My name is Christina. Um, I've been on staff here at Summit for four and a half years, um, and it has been an adventure and a joy getting to be here. Um, I'm originally from Bethel Park. I'm like trying to think back of the things you said, so I like sort of match it. Um, But I grew up in Bethel Park, the other side of Pittsburgh from here, ended up going to school in Oklahoma, and then uh, my first two jobs were in Oklahoma, and so I've been gone for, it was over 10 years, not including college, and then got hired at Summit and got to move back within two hours of my family, which is way better than way 17 nicer. hours. Yeah. Um, so it, it really has been amazing. Um, these last two years, I think, have been crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still coming out of it, and I'm pumped to have Gil as a partner in crime. Um, That's right. And, yeah, uh, and we're figuring stuff out and working on what what do we do? What stays the same? What changes? Right? Um, and this is any time is a good time, but this is a great time to assess stuff and find out what kind of shifts and changes we need to be making. Because yeah. um, the heart really is my heart and Gil's heart. Like, I want to see kids know Jesus. I want to see kids encounter Jesus and hear His voice and live it out today. Um, I was just talking with we had. We call it summer XP, but it's vacation Bible school last week. And um, I was telling my team, I had read something and, and somebody had written like, you know, talking about kids. And they're like, what if uh, your kids, the church of tomorrow, love people well? And I like crossed it out. I was like, falsehood. 
They are the church of today. They are every bit, when they know Jesus, they are every bit as much part of the church as any other person who's received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they get to share the truth of who he is with the people around them. So I will step off my little stool (laughs) and hand it back to Gil. (laughs) No, it's good. Well, I think think the, just kind of tying into some of that passion here, at least this is something that I think Christine and I have noticed and kind of are wrestling with the question of, um, is how do you how do you actually get the next generation to to really follow Christ their whole life? Right. I think we could pick up any book or look at any article that talks about how how many kids wander away from their faith when they go to high school, or when they go to college, or when they start a family. Right. And I think specifically something that breaks both Christina and I and and my heart is like how do we help students understand the truth and goodness of who Jesus is in a real authentic way? not in a way that's uh, mass-produced, right? Not in a way that's uh, flashy or showy, but is genuine. And I think there's, there's oftentimes a struggle with that, right? Living in a modern world, it's very easy to look at anyone's social media, anyone's email campaign, anyone's attend- church attendance and be like, you know, wow, they, like, this, this is really uh, makes me feel insecure or invalid, right? Looking at what they're doing. Wow, they're doing all this good stuff. They must really be reaching people. And I will never be one to judge another another church's calling or the way that they're functioning. But what what I specifically want is I don't want to be just an Instagram church. You know what I mean? If I can reach people on Instagram, great. But the the passion that I want to have that I see Christ having is like really just investing and discipling and reaching the next generation. And so figuring out how to do that well, I think is difficult and it changes, right? So it was already changing up until COVID and then COVID changed a lot of things, not just within the church world, but the political world, the economic world, socially, like all these different, there's all these different layers. Um, so what Christina and I are going to talk about today is, is more from a position of just experience some things that we have noticed in our ministries that have made a big difference. Um, we will not be able to tell you the best leadership things. Just being honest, if you want a good leadership book, you can read a lot by John Maxwell. Um, he's going to be far better at teaching anything. That's where I get my stuff from. I'm just full of honesty. You know what I mean? If you want to figure out how to really reach your LGBTQ plus students, Preston Sprinkle is a great example of that. Um, like they will probably be able to articulate and convey those things a lot better um, than we will. But we're just going to kind of speak from the heart and speak a little bit from experience. We do have this up on the, the board. If you want to scan it and ask questions, we'll do have a time for questions at the end. Um, but I just know the way that I think is when I have a question, I'll have it. And if I don't write it down, it'll slip out. So if you want to, you can scan that on your phone, type it in so that way it doesn't have to stay in your head. Or if they stay in your head like a normal person, you can <laughs> This is more for anyone else who's maybe more like me. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll have that at the end. Um, but yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about some things that we have noticed making a big difference. And even at the end, if you have some things that are making a big difference in your ministry, okay. please feel free to share them. Um, we would love to know like what things are kind of working for you um, at your church. So Christina, yeah. do you want to start? Sure. Um, so the first thing I wrote down was be authentic. Um, Pastor Mel talked about it. He started talking. I was like, that, uh, it's fine. It's cool. Um, but the thing is, guys, your church and your kids or your students don't need me or Gil or some other person. God has placed you there on purpose and for a purpose. He's called and gifted you. So be you. But exactly what Pastor Mel was saying, 
We have to be seeking first the kingdom of God. We've got to be taking time. Like, I have to take time to get in the word on my own. Not so that I can teach this weekend. Not so that I can make sure my programming is all set for VBS. But actually getting in the word and spending time with God because he is my first love. Because because I need him as much as every single one of my kids do. Because, you know that saying, it's like, you can't lead where you haven't gone. If we don't have authentic, genuine, growing relationships with God, if he's not, if he's not convicting us and we're not spending times repenting, right, and growing in him, how are we going to show our kids and students to do that? If we don't genuinely love the word of God, how are we going to help foster that and cultivate that for them? So the first thing I would say is, is be authentic, be you be who God has called you to be and be with him because he'll show you what to do. Yeah. And my, 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 my first point kind of ties in with this too. Cause I think, I think it's really easy to, to play a comparison game or play like the, I, I should be like this kind of person to reach these people kind of game. But I think the cool thing is God knows exactly where each of us are at. He knows exactly kind of the students and the clientele and the communities that we're in. And I think it takes faith to, at times to say like, oh, you know, God really wants to use me here. Like, I think it's yeah. easy to sit back and like, again, compare or contrast. But like, I think, I think the most important gift that you have for the next generation is you as an individual. Um, as much as we like to think our programs are what's going to save people or our um, creativity, like how well we do stage design, how well we have our graphics designed. That's not what actually makes a difference in the life of a person. Um, so my, my, first, my first point here is like connect them to a person, not a program. Oftentimes that person is you, but even as we're working with our leaders and like our teams, um, I, I don't want, you know, I, I, the, the, it, is, it is easy to appeal to the cool factor because the cool factor makes us feel good, right? But yeah. really it's you as a person that's gonna make the biggest difference in the lives of the, the students and kids that you're in. It's not going to be how much money your church does and doesn't have. Um, it's not going to be any of that. It's going to be the person of you and who you are and who God has made you um, that will that will have the longest like impact. Do you know what I mean? Like when I sit back and I think about people that made a significant impact in my life, um, I could talk about my daycare sitter growing up, Miss Edmonds, um, and I don't remember a single lesson that she taught me or a single arts and crafts. Right? I don't remember how clean the house was or wasn't, although I would recommend clean ministries. That's always good. <laughs> clean and safe is a priority. You want that to be a thing. Yeah. But, but what I mean is like, I, I think what I really remember is I remember how much she loved me. I remember uh, how many, how she would always make sandwiches for me. And I remember the way that she would cut them. And I remember that she taught me to love peanut butter and jelly and tomato soup, like instead of grilled cheese and tomato soup, that's Sweet. just what she did. It's a little weird. I know, cool. but I remember that and it's kind of, it's kind of part of who I am and remembering her is what has kind of like made me who I am today. So I think that it's easy, obviously, to like get sucked into that. But I would just say, recognize that if you're really connecting them to you or connecting them to your leaders, that's, that's the most important thing because that's who they're going to remember, you know, in however many years. There's a, there's a youth leader at my old church. Um, his name was Carl. Um, and he had been there for now. This fall will be his 28th year of ministry, right? 
And everybody knows Carl. I remember Carl when I was coming out of high school and just started helping with middle school ministry. And he was just another leader that was on the team. And then eventually I became the middle school pastor and he became one of my leaders, right? Um, But the amount of legacy that he's going to have, right, investing into people over years and years and years that when he gets to heaven, he'll, he'll see the impact that he's made. And yeah, he is, like anyone else, he has flaws, he has problems, right? Like no one's perfect, but man, the... The, the ability to connect to a person, I think is so much more important than a program or money or flashing lights or any of that kind of stuff. I will piggyback off of that. Dude, this is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, your, your kids need to connect to a person. And I, I will say for, for me, but for us, like we need to be able to connect with people. We need to be in community. Um, this is not something to do alone. Uh, it, it will chew you up and spit you out alone. Um, I, I can say, I know I have walked through, um, lonely times. I've walked lonely roads. Um, and I have done the, like, God, I just, someone, anyone, I will take a friend right now. Right. Because it's like, I'm trying, but nobody, nothing's sticking. Right. I don't know if you've ever been there, but like, I've walked through that. Um, and so I don't want to be like, you're not doing enough to get community. But I will say this, totally going to volunteer Gil and me um, and you guys, actually. Like, we can be community to each other. Um, and if we aren't a good fit, if you're like, eh, they're kind of weird for me, fine. Um, yeah, I play but- a lot of video games, so I get that. If I'm a weird fit, I'm not, I'm not offended. No, but like, <laughs> but I don't say that to give us all an out. Then it's like, oh, good. We don't actually have to be friends. I can keep being alone. But reach out to other people. What, what surprises me is, um, I, when I lived in Oklahoma, I was at a church for five years and we weren't as big. There were a lot of bigger churches around us. And it's easy to look at bigger churches and be like, they got all their junk together. They don't need friends. I'm a little peon. (laughs) Will they even take my call? That's how I felt. And I called and we ended up they were all so kind. Um, we ended up starting to do a quarterly gathering. We would meet for lunch and it was all different denominations. It was all different church sizes. And we would just meet. And if you could make the meeting, you made it. And we would sit down and we would get to talk shop together. And we would get to, sometimes there was an agenda. Sometimes there wasn't. But you guys, Tony knows he, we've been doing it some the last year or so. Yeah. We'll meet quarterly and just sit down and talk shop together. And it's a safe space. It's not for us all to be negative Nancys and just, you know, gripe about life. But we sit down and we talk through. And sometimes somebody brings up an issue and we're like, I got no clue. I got the same problem. But also what it does is it makes it less alone. Because you look around the table and every person's going, I don't have a solution, but I'm in the boat with you and we can be praying together. And one of the things I have loved the most about us getting together is we're like unlikely friends. Um, but at the end, we'll go around and be like, okay, what prayer requests do we have? And then we just pray for each other. And there's something so powerful when we come together as believers to say, we are the body of Christ and I am in your corner. You're not in this alone. So friends, you don't have to pick me. It's fine. <laughs> But find some friends who can be with you in this, who will get your world and who can pray with you. Yeah, that's big. Um, so another, uh, another principle here um, that, I, that I, I'm just going to model from Jesus's life that has at least done me, done me good. Um, 
so I'm, I'm a little bit of a pessimist by nature, just going to be transparent here. Um, some people are naturally a lot more optimistic. <laughs> Christina and then also my wife are great examples of that. Uh, they're a lot more of an optimist. Uh, I think I'm a lot more of a, like a pessimist, but like, like a, maybe an idealist pessimist where I'm like, this is exactly what should happen and it will never happen that way, right? Like I know what the, I know what the dream is. I just never believe the dream can happen. Um, so she's <laughs> empathetic for me. That's great. See this. Um, so I think, I, I think one of the things that I struggle with sometimes whenever I was in kids ministry and youth ministry is I, is I struggled to, to really feel like I had good perspective on what I was doing. I think I, I really struggle with at least a lot. And even, even if I'm being honest, I think I still do in a lot of ways, right? We all struggle with insecurities. We struggle with church wounds, right? We struggle with pastors that have done things or have said things, or have maybe like even scapegoated us at times, right? Like we could, we could, as Jim Hennessy said last night, kind of compare scars and war stories from being in ministry. But I think I really struggled to, to feel like anything that I did actually mattered. Um, and uh, one of the principles that I found that really helped me is just taken from the life of Jesus, where I think if you look at how he did ministry, right? He had the masses that he would speak to. Um, and I'm not talking about that, but if we're looking at like community or people that he cared about, you had like, like a lot of historians, I don't know the exact number, but somewhere between like 72 and like a hundred or so people that really followed him were in his corner. And then he had the 72, he went and sent out on mission, right? Two by two to go to towns and preach and do all that stuff. Then there was the 12 disciples, the three, and then the one. And those are the people that Jesus spent the most time with and poured himself in, um, into and so I don't have like a cool, trendy, tweetable quote for this, but I call it the twelve three one principle, where if you look at your life and you're seeing who am the people, who are the people that I'm pouring into, so community is kind of like who you're doing life with, like alongside of you that is kind of carrying the weight. But if you look at your students, if you look at the families of your kids, and you say like, okay, here are kind of the twelve, the three, and the one, and actually basing it off of those numbers, if you have people that slot into that. It is, it is good reassurance that you're doing the right kinds of things. Um, I think we look around at us, look around, and it's easy to look at like mega churches. We're like, wow, they have 15,000 in attendance, right? And they have a youth group that's bigger than our church on a weekend, right? Um, and be like, man, am I really reaching or am I doing the right kind of things? And I feel like that's kind of like maybe a north star in the sky for me. If I'm discipling in the same way that Jesus did and I'm pouring into the 12 and the 3 and the 1, um, and I'm in their lives in a significant way that I'm doing right things. Um, and that, that removed, at least for me, a lot of like insecurity and a lot of fear because again, it's easy to play the comparison game, but if I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and it's right. Um, or if I, if I'm doing this right, then there's a lot of, a lot of health that can come with it. And I'll tell you a couple stories. So, um, again, I will avoid the, the Judases, right? Because I think if we all sat around and talked, we probably have some Judases that were in our 12 that maybe are no longer in our 12. Like I have some, I'm sure you have some. Uh, but there is, there is a specific family when I just started doing kids ministry. 2014, I, I met them. Um, uh, the last name was the Krills family. They had a seventh grade daughter and two fifth grade sons that were in my kids ministry. The one daughter served in preschool and they were like two of my elementary kids. Um, and I was really just kind of wrestling through a lot of my own. I was like probably 24 at the time. I was just real nervous and like didn't know how to do ministry really well. It was trying and failing a lot and I didn't really enjoy kids ministry that much like I was kind of a hot mess in a lot of ways um but I remember feeling like I I need to probably do some things that um just kind of have a good discipleship principle in them and kind of through circumstance like their 
their parents served occasionally in the nursery and their kids like were, you know, came and then their, their one daughter served. So we just kind of struck up a, a, a connection. And then whenever their boys went into sixth grade, um, the four of us, so their eighth grade daughter, their two sixth grade sons and myself would just kind of do things a lot. I was like, oh, it kind of feels cool to have like maybe younger siblings is a little too young to call it. I don't know. They're like, you know, 12 and 14, uh, maybe nieces and nephews as a way to view it. But I just throughout the years, I would consistently during my insecure moments, during my like frustrated moments, during my lonely moments, right? I was like, I, I need to do some productive stuff. I should just really invest into them and disciple them and like do everything I can to be in, involved in their lives. Um, and the beauty is now, like as the years have gone by, they've become a very close family to me. Um, again, this is a success story. This is not one of the horror stories that we could all list here, but um, I go over to their house for Thanksgiving pretty frequently and all that kind of stuff. And now recently I got married in May um, and all three of their kids, uh, who's now like a college sophomore and the boys are just graduating high school, they were all in our wedding party. They were groomsmen and bridesmaids. Um, mm. And then their, their youngest adopted daughter uh, was our flower girl. Um, so that's, that's a cool way to kind of, I think, like see like how discipleship works in the long run. I'm sure you guys even have some stories that are similar like that too. Um, but it's, it's reassuring for me to know, okay, I'm doing something right by drawing close to them and really like they were kind of my three you know what I mean we're like hey I'm just really gonna pour into them and I I have a lot of things that are going wrong outside of this but I'm just gonna focus on the 12 the three and the one um and that's kind of how over the last you know several years of my life has played out and so looking kind of for the next group to invest into is always a thing but I think the idea is if you if you focus your time and your energy and your efforts and your heart towards those three circles the 12 the three and the one um you can see a much stronger return over time that then becomes a big source of encouragement um, for you in the long run. Um, so that's a thought. That's good. Man, this is kind of exciting that they just keep working together. Um, so another thing for us is uh, to remember our why. Um, as we're starting to like be strategic, right? Looking for a 12-3-1. Um, remember your why. I know it's something I have to go back to when it gets hard and it feels like a slog. Um, and I can just attest to you that uh, I was talking to Pastor Mel, it was probably in the fall of last year, we were just doing like a check-in, like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, hey, how you doing? And I was like, boss, I, like, I feel like I'm just trudging through mud and it's like up to my chest right? Like it feels like I'm making zero progress and all I keep doing is trudging. And I'm like, please someone pull me out. <laughs> um, cause there are hard seasons and, and, um, we expend a whole lot of energy as we're trying to keep following God. And, and sometimes it's, it's stuff like sometimes there's betrayal. Sometimes there's right. The people who get unhappy about something and there's nothing you can do to fix it. Right. Or you really do need to stand and say, this is actually the line. And, and we do have to hold here. I'm, I'm sorry if you can't be okay with that. Um, but for us, it's going back to our why, why did you even get into this? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but like, why? Why did you start serving and leading in kids' ministry or student ministry? What was your reason? What, what is the call? Because I, I strongly believe you have a call. And so uh, if you're having trouble remembering or answering that question, go to God. Ask him, why am I even doing this? Because 
Our God is faithful and good, and he can give us fresh vision to help us keep going, especially in the hard times, especially in the dry times or in the painful times. Um, And I don't want to put any of that on you. If you're like, actually, I'm doing good, then awesome. But it's still good to remember our why in the awesome times, because that's an easy time, too, to then go, I'm pretty awesome. I don't know about you, but I could be like, anytime I've been like, dude, I think I'm pretty good. Actually, I think I pretty much got this. It's like the next day. It's like, boosh. <laughs> Lord, thank you for humility in my life. <laughs> Don't got it all together. Um, but ask God. Ask him why. And, and remember it. Because that's what we need. And to keep him at the forefront. Because he is the hero. He's the hero of every story. And he's the hero of our stories. And he's the one who calls people to him. Um, so there's, there's a book recommendation for this next one I want to throw out there. Um, it's by, I think it's Tim Elmore, and it's called Generation Z Unfiltered, I want to say. Um, and he just analyzes the, the unique dynamics of this next generation. Uh, so Generation Alpha is the one after that, and that's like seven years old and under, but I don't have a book recommendation on that yet. I just have one on Gen Z because that's like eight to, what, 23 or something, 24 what was the book again? Uh, Gen, uh, Generation Z Unfiltered uh, by Tim Elmore. And I will, as I'm talking, just double check my, my Amazon to make sure I'm giving that to you um, correctly. Uh, yeah, Generation Z Un- Unfiltered by Tim Elmore is the name of it. Um, Facing Nine Hidden Challenges of the Most Anxious Population is the name of it. Wow. Um, so I think, I think there's, there's an, an interesting shift that has happened in our like culture and society over the last, you know, 10 years, but over the last two years, um, kids at a younger age, teenagers at a younger age now more than ever have a lot more access to information. They know things, they're aware of things. They're able to discuss a lot of things. Um, but they're not because of their age, because of the way their minds are neurologically, they're not at a point where they really, most, most students and kids struggle to separate what is actually true, right? As opposed to what is opinion or what is theory. Um, And it becomes very, I think, lonely and difficult as a teenager to know how to discuss those things. So the the thing that I would say, if you want to have a lifelong impact on the next gen, on next gen, this is what I have found, um, at least in my own experience, is have difficult conversations early and often. Um, I don't think it necessarily, I'm not talking about like, correcting conversations, right? Although that could be part of it. Like I'm not, I'm not talking about that explicitly, but there's a lot of questions that students have about um, their gender, right? We've seen that explode since 2020. Um, LGBTQIA plus, you know, hey, I was, was, I, was I born with these desires? Is this the way God made me? Um, am I, you know, if you guys know anything about dissociative identity, identity disorder, DID, um, people believe that there are multiple identities within themselves and they kind of like, will take over and kind of control their bodies. I would recommend you look it up if you're not familiar with it, but students are looking at that and looking at what they see on TikTok and Reels and YouTube and like, okay, this is part of who I am, this is part of my identity. And I think that what students need is they don't necessarily need like the hammer or wrath of God, right? I think a lot of students feel like if they come to church and say like, hey, I think I'm bi or like I am gay, I'm trans, I'm this and that, that they're gonna get met with like, uh, uh, evangelistic like right hook to the jaw right and get told why they're sinful and terrible and I'm not I'm not going to say that those things I'm not going to say that like 
God looks at those things and is like, yeah, this is, this is truth. But I think God looks at them and says like, my heart breaks for them, right? Maybe they, they, they are kind of like, you know, born and wrestling with these desires or they're like trying to understand themselves. And God, I think, looks at his children and has empathy. But what we need to do, what our responsibility, what my responsibility is, is to like have those conversations, right? And just talk with them. I don't think it always means we have to know what the right answer is or know how to answer their questions, but we want to condition the next generation that the church is a safe place to come, to have those questions, to have doubts, and still have community. A lot of students are afraid that if they come and say that, you know, they have DID, right, or they're trans, that that means they're going to be cut off, or that means they're not going to be welcome to worship, right, or welcome to pursue God. And I know it creates a lot of, like, difficult theological conversations that I know we probably don't have time to get into right now. Um, but I will say, if you're just, if, if you post, if we posture ourselves to be in a, like a comfortable place for them to ask those questions and not feel excommunicated as is, I think the trend or is like the perception of the church, we gain a lot more trust and a lot more acceptance of, um, of that generation, which is really the, the ground, the foundations, the groundwork for helping them see who Christ is and what he means to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So making, uh, again, engaging in difficult conversations early and often being okay with, you know, not knowing the answers. That's, I mean, we don't have all the answers in here. Right. But I think just getting them to realize, Hey, I can trust them. Right. You know, I'm not sure if I can trust my parents or my teachers or my friends, but I can trust my youth leader by expressing this. I can trust my youth pastor, my kids, pastor, my yada, yada, um, about it is, is a important place to start. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I just will piggyback off because it was actually my fifth one, but I'm going to say it now. Um, one was be approachable and it was literally that like, uh, don't be afraid of questions. Um, if, if, I haven't gotten to go up to youth. If you serve in kids ministry, guys, like kids, they don't always even remember the hand. They interrupt. They interrupt <laughs> the like time. little champs with questions that are sometimes relevant and sometimes not. <laughs> um, they have nothing, and those are like the most disheartening because you're like, why are we talking about your dog right now? It's literally, <laughs> there was no dog in the story. Like there's nothing about this that's related, right? Um, but whether it is... Um, LGBTQ, whether it is, I had a kid off the cuff two weeks ago, like literally we finished everything. We're dismissing them to go back to their rooms. And he says to me, Miss Christina, he's walking. Miss Christina, do you believe in the big bang? And I was like, this is new and random. And so I was like, um, why do you ask? Like, let, let's find out what's happening right now. Literally still walking. He didn't even stop. Keeps going. And he's like, oh, because I do. And he's like, blah, 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 as he's walking. And I was like, this, all right. These are moments to be able to have conversations, right? Like, and be able, like, I'm not, I want to find out what kids are thinking. I don't want to just assume one way or another, right? Because that's a sure way to squash them. That's a way to make me not be a safe person, um, but to be able to be approachable, to let them ask their questions. It doesn't mean that we don't speak truth with grace, um, but being able to, to let them feel comfortable. And I'll say that too for like our team and our parents. Now, don't get me wrong. At the end of church, 
when I'm tired and someone comes up to me and I feel like I'm getting blasted, right? Like I'm not usually in the best frame of mind to be able to be like, let me handle this question that feels so unimportant and not helpful with grace and truth, right? At that moment, I wanna be like, just leave me alone. That's the stupidest thing ever, right? Uh, not a great option. Um, but it's one of the things, honestly, for me that I, like I, there are certain people who all of a sudden, they'll just like start unloading on me on the weekend in between services. And I'm like, I literally don't have time for this. It has nothing to do with what's happening right now. And, and so I'm like, Father, help me. Holy Spirit, help me to have grace in the moment and to be able to, if I need to kindly interrupt to say, hey, you know what? Can we have this conversation this week? I, I really am not able to do it right now, right? Or take a deep and cleansing breath without sighing in their face, right? Don't be a jerk. But like, I can listen and I can engage right now and let you be heard because our parents our team, our kids, they, that lets them know they're valued. Hope I'm not stealing anything. Okay, great. No, no. That is all. We should be approachable. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, another thing, and we only have a couple more here. We won't, yeah. we won't go forever. Um, uh, so I think, I think one of the things that it, so like, uh, who, who said this? I feel like Andy Stanley said this initially. He said like, if you talk out of your failures, You'll never run out of content, but if you talk out of like who you're trying to pretend to be, it'll always feel disingenuous. Mm -hmm. So like this is born more out of like uh, more out of like my failure or my bad things. Do you know what I mean? Than than uh, anything necessarily outright good. Um, one of the things that at least I feel like almost took me out of ministry was again like I, I talked about it a little bit in the last point was like my insecurity and my fear. Um, I consistently looked at my ministry around me and saw like a bunch of messes and I felt like there were messes that I caused and messes I couldn't quite fix and messes that were difficult and messes that were painful. Right. And I'm sure some of you maybe can empathize. You look around some of your ministries and you're like, uh, this feels like it's my fault and I don't exactly know how to fix it. Or this one didn't feel like my fault, but it's still my responsibility, right. To fix. And I don't exactly know how to do it. And it feels like the things that I'm trying to do to fix it aren't, um, I don't know, like, I don't know exactly know how to solve this. Um, so there is, there's a really tragic incident when I was a kid's pastor back in 2017. Um, there was a family that used to come to my church. It was like a mom and her two kids, like going to be a junior in high school. The other one was like a six-year-old girl. Um, or I'm sorry, it was the dad and them, but mom and dad got into a big fight. Mom actually pulled out a gun and shot and killed the dad while the kids were at home. Uh, pretty traumatic, police showed up really, really intense. The next year of my kids' ministry was kind of radical when I have a six-year-old girl that is spontaneously breaking out in like yelling things about like the trauma that she's been through. Um, whenever I, like we used to do something called the secret word where like you had to guess what the secret word was in the story and you could win a candy bar, right? But like, all what do you think the secret word is? And she would just ask the question outright, why did my mom shot, shoot and kill my dad? And now you have a bunch of kids who are like, wait, what? Like, and now I have to explain to parents and some parents were understanding, some were not so understanding of that. And it was a little bit cruel. Um, uh, anyways, like a year, a year later, right. Um, a year later there was, uh, another kind of tragic incident, her brother. So it was a son and daughter or sorry, um, brother and sister that were together now seven year old and like 18 years old. Um, 
the son was just really depressed and on Father's Day, everything 2018, he shot and killed himself. Um, so now a little girl, mom is in jail for life, dad is dead, brother is dead, living with grandma. Um, and there was, there was a lot of things that I remember were even, as weird as this is, were like getting said about me on why people were frustrated, like supporting the family a specific way, right? Like, are there ex, like, are you meeting this expectation and like what you need to do for them? And then you have parents upset with how they're handling things. And I remember just feeling really insecure and depressed and frustrated, even with myself, like, am I really doing this right? But I think, I think what God spoke to me during that time um, is, is this, is that like, I think being a pastor really is just being a janitor, right? Like I think people look at pastors and it's obviously there's like a, a glamorous lifestyle, right? The celebrity pastor kind of is a vibe, but I think really at the heart of it, a pastor, what they do well is they clean up messes. Like we're just kind of janitors, right? Kid throws up, well, get the sawdust and get the cleaning supply and now everything smells like uh, was it fan- Fantastico, that like purple cleaner, right? You get it at the dollar store. Uh, or fan- Fantastic, I forget what it's called. But yeah, I think, I think something that gave me a lot of peace and gave me a lot of clarity um, was recognizing that if there, even if there is a mess, and even if I did car- cause it regardless, God is just asking me to be faithful with trying to clean it up and trying to make things better. And even if it doesn't make other people happy, right? Even if it doesn't make other people um, think they I should have a job still or not, right? Like my role and our role as pastors for the next generation is just to be faithful to clean up the messes, right? So when parents call us and saying, yeah, my, my kid's going off the deep end and it's your fault, right? Like how could you, like what you did at the church and all of our time there, like you didn't do anything for my kid, right? Like shouldn't you have like helped save them from this? This is why I took them to church, right? Kids are going to be messy. Teenagers are going to be messy. The people that we pour into this year and five years may radically not be following Christ. And I think all that God is asking us to do is be faithful with cleaning up the messes and trust that in the long run, when we get to heaven, right, there's going to be this, this release. There's going to be this awareness of, okay, here's all the, my, my attitude, my posture, my willingness to clean up messes all these times has resulted in this. And it, it's sometimes a thankless job, I think, working with the next gen, right? Like, I think it's, it's, it's easy to be blamed because someone could walk away, but then they come back to Christ in their late 40s and they talk about their kid's pastor. They talk about their youth pastor, right? So what we're doing is sometimes a very thankless job because it's just sowing seeds into the future that we may never see the benefits of. But I think if we're just faithful to clean up the messes, um, that will be something that does us well in the long run. So that was long-winded, but I'll be shorter with my last point. (laughs) No, you're good. Uh, My last one is to be intentional, Uh, be intentional with the teams we build. Um, And so part of that comes from, I don't need, okay, in my mind, I'll tell you, I'm like an idealist, I'm like an optimist idealist. So I'm like, it could be beautiful, we should try. Sometimes I'm like, I don't think it's really gonna happen, but I'm like, let's try. Um, But in my dream, like sometimes I want everyone to be like me, because I'm probably the most awesome person. Because I'm awesome. Yeah, right? Like, I'm probably the most awesome person to work with. I don't know if you ever think that. Narcissism is a spiritual gift. Oh, guys, it's terrible. (laughs) Um, The truth is, I don't have all the answers. The truth is, I'm really not, like, genuinely, I'm really not that awesome. Um, And so, as we're building teams, look for people who are different than you. Um, I, I kid you not, 
I have a, a team of people right now and I say to them often because I will like be doing something and right and I'm like happily going along like I've covered all the bases because I thought of everything and somebody will be like what about this and I'm like go and then somebody problems I'm like way to be a champion and then I say this and I mean it wholeheartedly this is why I need a team you guys think of stuff I won't think of you're creative and they're gifted in ways I'm not gifted you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the body of Christ and how like we can't all be an ear or an eye or a foot or a nose, right? Because we need all the parts of our body to function. We need all the parts of the body to function in our ministries. And we need each of our ministries functioning so that the body of Christ can function effectively, right? Like we're we're not the end-all be-all in kids ministry and student ministries i'll tell you it's like my priority in life um but but we have to be working with the rest of the church too but look for people who who are gifted differently than you um because it makes a tremendous difference um my first job straight out of college got to be a kids pastor you guys I remember one day sitting at my desk and like having this epiphany moment and I was like who thought it was a good idea to put me in charge of a children's ministry like do they not get that I literally just graduated from I don't know everything and I'm in charge of these kids and like eternities are on the line right it was a it was a terrible moment it was a good moment too because I'm not good enough for that but we serve a great and mighty God and I had a team of people, an amazing team of people, and I'd gone to this conference and they gave us this, uh, it was a, a simplified personality test, but you know, it was themed to go with the conference. And so it was like all like an engineer, that's the, literally the only one I can remember is an engineer, but each of them had a different name kind of like that, but like they meant whatever, it had their description. So I came back from my conference and I had my team take it. Um, and so everyone took it and we had a lot of like the same two or three and I think there were five total. And we had the same, like a lot of the same two or three types on my team. And there was one guy who was, it was like the visionary. It was like the one who would have ideas, the one who would just like always have ideas. So we did that and moved on in life, but like we, you know, kept it in our brains. I kid you not, we would be in a meeting and we'd be like, okay, guys, let's, let's do something creative. Crickets. I'd be staring at the team like, does anyone have any ideas of something we could do for this thing? Crickets. And then somebody would be like, well, what about Ron? He's the, whatever the name was for the visionary one. It was the cutest every time, Ron. Well, I did have this idea every time and I was like Lord thank you and he was that gentle soul a great guy funny guy but a gentle soul who wasn't going to be the one to just put him you know like he's not going to be the one who's like guys we should do this he was going to let anyone else if you want to take the lead take the lead and I will support you but every time after we did that and it was like oh these are things I'm good at oh these are things I'm good at oh these are things you're good at they would start calling each other out in the best of ways. It made such a difference. So just to say, I need people who are not like me, who think differently because I get stuck in a rut of like, this is how I do life. And I need people who are like, eh, there's like three other paths. Let's try one of them. 
you know, and not to say we do something crazy and not biblical, but it helps. It helps. And they'll reach people. I won't reach. They'll connect with people. I won't connect with the end. That's good. Okay. So my, my last, my last one here. Um, so whenever it comes to next gen, obviously depending on the relationship at your church or how it's structured, it's always, it's always a good idea to give leadership opportunities to students in within kids ministry specifically, or just kind of within ministry departments in general. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like methods and formats to accomplish that. There's a lot of ways to skin that cat, but the, the amount of difference that it will make in the life of a student for someone who's involved in serving, um, is, is a pretty big deal. Like students obviously need community. They need good teaching, but like there's something that just shifts within their maturity when they start doing things for other people. Right. And you can't necessarily like pitch it that way. Like, Hey, you just want to come serve. Like, you know, it's kind of an invitation to like be a part of a team, right? It's an invitation to be in a, in a community. It's not just an invitation to accomplish a task, but the more that you can push your students to do things within the kids ministry or within production, within those kinds of things, that will be one of, and I, I wish I knew the study. I think Barna did something with it where they, they showed like the longevity that that has in a, in a student's life because it shifts your mindset from recognizing church is just a place to receive, but it's also a place to, to pour out, um, which is really when churches, I think it's at its healthiest, um, they're able to do that. There's something about the ownership part of discipleship um, that that carves out in a student's like spirit and psyche. Um, and even uh, off my for- former point, recognizing that, you know, messes are something we need to clean up. Doing that is inherently a messy process. If you've ever worked with a teenager on a computer, you know that they're sometimes a little bit dumb and they don't always pay attention or they're on their phone. Right. But like that kind of mess that you're inviting in is better than the mess of not having them there. Like it's going to be messy no matter what you do. Nothing will be perfect. For those of you who may be Enneagram ones in the room, it may frustrate you. Like, cause you're like, I just want it to be perfect. I want it to be nice. But really there's going to be messes no matter what we do. It's our job to just clean them up. But like, it's also better to, better the mess you choose than the mess you don't choose, right? There's that old phrase like, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And I don't think it's better to know any devils, but you know, better, better the mess you choose than the, the mess you don't choose because at least you know why you're getting that mess and you know the right way to kind of clean it up and, and create a solution. So trying to do whatever you can to, to do that. We're trying to figure that out here. Um, so the youth pastor, there's like a nine month gap between youth pastor when the last one left and then when I came. Um, so trying to figure out how to kind of restart some of those things and redefine that and make it a really healthy thing is something I'm having to do too. So yeah. again, this is, these aren't things that we're saying like from any kind of lofty position. It's like, oh, these are the things that we're wrestling with as a next gen ministry and kind of what we're looking to do here. So, okay. I think that's all of them. Um, so here's what we want to do now. There's like 10 minutes left. Um, there's like 10 minutes left before we go to lunch. Um, if we want to have, if you guys have questions, if there's things that's on your mind that you want to discuss, it can be on the things that we talked about or other things in general. It's kind of like an open session for questions, dialogue, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. Do we pause the recording here? I don't know. I was debating it or I like carry it towards people. That would be feels aggressive, but that way it would capture it if we want it. We nah, that's okay. It. If you're listening Farewell. now, sorry, you don't get to be a part of it, but shoot us a DM. Let us know. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcasts.church. 
Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and we will see you in the next episode.